Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I'm your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire entire network at, you guessed it, the entire network. You found us. Don't lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts for free 99. You knew this was coming. (laughs) Weeks ago, I came on this podcast and told you the big tunes upon this game. And Justin laughed, and we had a good time. But now I want to remind all of you, before we get into anything that happens today, that at one point, y'all told me Iowa was the number two team in this fair nation. That's right. We've come not to celebrate Midwestern ethics, values, and football, but to bury them boring some bitches where they belong in the ashes of the past. But I'm not here to do it alone. I'm joined by one of my good friends, a football mind who I respect, a wrestling mind who I look up to. We got Rich Fan from PW Torch. What's up, Rich? Not much, not much. I just saw a shamakery going on here with Kansas City and Cincinnati. But other than that, I'm looking forward to talking about college sports, sports, and and some wrestling. It's very exciting to have you say that on the podcast because I know how frustrated you are right now with that game. It's it's similarly interesting to see. The very conciliatory tweets, this is a good Bengals team. They don't need those calls. I know the fire that's burning in your belly right now. Oh, yeah. I I, uh, I turned into the dad from the TV joke meme, just like punching the top of my my door jam and screaming. <laughs> but luckily, my son's at a uh, hockey tournament, and my wife is with him. So I'm, a, I'm in an empty house, and I can get my frustrations out without being seen as a madman. So you are right. You're right. And up until the point I made the connection on this chat, you know, I, I had the time to kind of relax, relate, release, as uh, Whitney would say, on a different world. That's very good of you. I was in the other seat today. All game, they keep saying, if the Falcons want a shot at the playoffs, they need to win this game. I'm like, then we need to lose the game. No one wants to see any more of this football team. If this team can almost make the playoffs, get to me the playoff team. Expansion was a bad idea. I was right. Now, we're not here to have you talk just about the woes of the NFL that are happening today that we'll get to some of that. We're going to talk about, actually, let's do this first. If you're here to hear us talk about some of the wrestling events that came on this weekend, congratulations, good decision, a very viable place to look. But we're not going to be doing that here. I'm actually going to be joining Rich over at PW Torch in about two hours to talk about all things Tony Khan, all things Big Swole, all things diversity and all wrestling and wrestling as a whole. Rich, do you have any kind of a roadmap for that conversation? Yeah, so it's going to be a... uh... I guess an emergency East Coast cast VIP. I went with VIP instead of doing the deep dive uh, because of the fact that I figured this conversation is going to go some places where uh, minivans may not want to listen. And so I figured people would have the platform to say what they want, how they want without having that or honestly having me spend time uh, getting timestamps for bleeps for uh, waiting our audio staff. So that's why I did that. And it'll be yourself, myself, Cam, and a host of other fine folks like Jeff from Jeff versus World, Brandon from the, the, the Cool Black Nerd on Twitter. Uh, one of the good listeners, Pastor Keith. So I'm going to apologize to the good pastor in advance. The language may not be suitable for the afternoon service. I'm excited to get the call, man. I'm excited to be a part of this. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation because it's a flashpoint of a conversation that's been going on for a long time, not just in professional wrestling and lots of other facets of life, but I think it's very... It's a hell of a way to start 2022. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is between him and now we're going to also have to add in Mr. Funches. I mean, what Ron do? Yeah. Oh, what what don't I know? Oh, Ron Funches last night decided to top Tony Khan by tweeting, uh, this is a scene from black as GCW wrestler AJ Gray, a black man, popped up between two white women, one of which 17 years old as they were having a wrestling match. And when told, hey, she's underage, how about you not be a scumbag considering you've also called shows where you've mentioned she's underage, he did what most comedians do when they're told they're wrong, and he tripled down to the point where he threatened AJ Gray, a dude who I legitimately think would just fight you rather than wrestle people, uh, to say that to his face when he sees him in public. I've seen Ron Funches, you've seen Ron Funches. That will not go the way Ron Funches thinks it will. Do y'all know that saying nothing is free? Always. Like that's if there's if you never listen to this podcast again, you can say these two idiots are talking about. I don't hear him talking about college football. I don't hear Daniel tap dance on Michigan's grave, which is going to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> Run the ball. Take this away. Shutting the fuck up is free. It costs you nothing to say nothing. And saying something might cost you a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and it just seems easier to say. I, 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 I feel lost. But there's someone out there who's decided to say something, and that's Jake Paul. And look, I don't, the the public consensus where I personally view this man and his whatever, it's evolving, it's changing. He's whatever he's he is. I'm allowing a place where someone who was formerly publicly shitty can maybe be publicly better as a person. I don't know this dude. None of us do. I don't know if he's a good guy or not. I don't give a shit. I do know this, that when you come at Dana White's neck, you've got a friend in me. Logan Paul tweeted at Dana White. Happy New Year, Dana White. Here's a challenge for you. I will immediately retire from boxing and fight Jorge Masvidal in the UFC if you agree to. One, increase minimum fight and pay per fight to 50K. It's 12K right now. Dog, the minimum's 12. The minimum's 12. Okay. Two, guarantee UFC fighters 50% of UFC annual revenues, $1 billion in 2021. Now, this is where I'm going to step in and just point this out to everyone. I don't give a fuck what you think about Jake Paul. One of the guys in Jake Paul's camp is the former CFO of the UFC. When he talks about the money, he knows what he's talking about. Three. Provide long-term health care to all fighters. You previously said brain damage is part of the gig. Imagine if the NFL said that. There are many UFC alums who publicly said they are suffering from brain damage. You have five days to accept and implement the above by March 31st, 2022. Once implemented, I will immediately retire from boxing, enter USADA, and agree to a one-fight deal with the UFC to fight weak chin Jorge. To all UFC fighters, time to take a stand and create value for yourselves and your peers. You deserve higher pay. You deserve long-term health care. And above all, you desire you deserve freedom. Support each other. I am not your enemy. I am your advocate who selfishly wants to KO a few of you to make a buck. Rich, the worst person you know made a great point. Yeah. And not only did he make a great point, he even set the stage to seed the stage to let Dana make himself sound even dumber when he rebuts. Dana White wanted, Dana White for a long time really wanted to be Benzinga. What's happened mm-hmm. is, is he's run into 
a younger, hungrier, I'm coming at this from a whole. This is Vizic Man is not looking at the structure and saying, how do I fit into it? Vizic Man invented pay-per-view. <laughs> this is that. Mm-hmm. And whatever, man. I am I crazy to think that this might fucking work? Yeah, I, I I don't think you're crazy. I think it would because I think the attention's worked because he's worked. He's not a joke anymore, Palm. He's right. had pay-per-view draw. He's put butts in the seats. He's not the guy screaming from YouTube. He's screaming from the stadium, and that has to piss Dana White off. It has to. It has to. Um, so we were going to talk about like one of my big plans for the new year was I was going to have like a a mega NBA pod and talk a bunch of things during the season because the NBA season you start paying attention around Christmas Day. Unfortunately, COVID has ravaged the sport to the point where it's barely recognizable, and the new testing protocols are uninspiring, to say the least. Mm. So we're not going to talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL, because we're recording now at 4.30. The first set of games is over here in the first uh, weekend of the new year. And Rich, why is AB not wearing a shirt? Uh, well, he decided in the middle of the game he didn't want to listen to Mike Evans calm him down. So he threw his shirt, his gloves, uh, his shoulder pads into the crowd and then danced in the end zone and then left uh, uh, and then left his coach who last uh, two weeks have sung his praises and said, you know, despite him being on his fifth strike and the third strike was supposed to be the fatal one and apparently committing a felony and creating a fake vaccination card wasn't uh, enough uh, is now. Now that he's embarrassed us in front of the white folk, he is no longer with the the, the the Buccaneers. I would like to just quote the video that's floating on Twitter right now. He is no longer a Buck. That's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys who went out there and won the game. I would like to tip my cap to the Buccaneers front office, the coaching staff, everyone who's a, vo- a voice, uh, excuse me, a mouthpiece for that franchise. That is some next level. It ain't my fault. Is at every turn, people have asked, hey, man, are you sure it's a good idea? This guy's kind of, you know. And it worked for a while because that's how it works with guys like this. It works for a while. You know how long it works, Rich? Until it doesn't. Yep. Until it doesn't. He's a great follow-up for you, the- Paul. They, uh, Jenna Lane, who covers the Bucks, asked, well, now that he's gone, can you talk to us about why he had so much rope? And he's like, I don't talk about people who aren't here anymore. He's not a part of the team. Oh, that's a good look. The, the coach, the I coach Jedi known, mind trick, undefeated. I've been known to look at a one or two of you. You, there have been quotes that Urban Meyer's given. I'm like, ooh, that's some slimy shit. I, I at least respect that slimy shit. Brazilians, I respect your slimy shit. It's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. It would, if this was, if this was Gainesville, and you're talking about Florida, it'd work like a charm. Man, it, you know, honestly, in the in in the reflection of a Super Bowl win last year. And the fact that it's fucking Tampa, mm-hmm. they might let him live. They might let him live with this. Because the league doesn't want us to ask. The league has the league has a vested interest in us not asking this question. No. So we'll see how it turns out there. Um, I'd like to thank Josh Allen and the Bills, despite your best efforts. You won the game and you've officially put the bullet in the back of the head of the zombie Falcon season. Now, I know people said, oh, we need more games for money. <clears throat> but we look at the injuries, we look at the quality of play, we look at the fact that the Falcons were mathematically viable. This week, expansion was a mistake. This is a bad idea. Rich, you just watched your team 
go through hell with the with the, with the Bengals. Does your team need another regular season game? Yeah, they don't. They really don't. From a, let's let's do it strictly from a, let's not even take talk about seeding or whatnot. Let's talk about strictly from competitive balance and health and safety. Do any of these teams need another game? Nope. I mean, this game opened up Palm with uh, Chiefs in in the uh, warmups. They're starting left tackle. Orlando Zeus Brown Jr. Uh, had a calf tightness. So in, in an abundance of precaution, because they have an extra game, they said, you know what, we're not going to use you. And then their starting right tackle, Lucas Niang, moved over to left and blew his knee out on the second drive. And they used their star guard, uh, Joe Tooney, who they got from the Patriots, kicked him out the left tackle, who did fine. But because they didn't activate any more linemen, everyone else they had was on the field. So if any other point during that game, if they had an injury, they'd be going high school level and using a tight end, running back, somebody as a guard or a tackle. Apparently the silent report on Antonio Brown is that the state of security thought it was a shirtless fan and we're going to tackle him before they realized it was Antonio Brown. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Look, the league doesn't want us to ask. They probably will undercover this. I hope. I think they may undercover this week because you know Tom terrific at the end of the season, yada yada playoff. But man, this is a story. This is gonna be something that's unfolds as we record this, and I'm very excited for it. Um top of the league right now. I don't know who's good now, is the thing. Like I guess the Bucks are good, but those injuries are gonna bite you eventually. I think the Chiefs mm-hmm. are good, but again, injuries up front. I know the Giants are bad, but they're keeping the coach and GM because I guess they're a comedy thing now. Like, but when you I, got a joke that good, you let the punchline hit as many times as possible. <laughs> the Jaguars lost 50 to 10 to the butt pats. I can score 10 against 50. Pay me a nominal fee. And I'll do same results. It'll be a whole lot cheaper. As of someone who works with the Utes in the football realm, Rich, should I be worried that they ruined uh, Trevor Lawrence? Because I think it's over. Uh, okay, here, here's my issue with, with Trevor Lawrence right now. Um, I look at what he's doing as trying to survive this first year. I mean, clearly at this point, you go from Clemson to what you've seen, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, um, man, these people are in over their heads. And... I don't care how much yes sir, no sir you are as a player. When you realize your coaches don't know as much as you do, that is a seminal moment when you realize I have more power than they think. And so that's negated by Trent Balky being the GM. When you talk slimy, he's one of the he's like the little finger of NFL GMs. Dog, and apparently so, he wants to bring in Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah. See? This is the stuff you get. And when you get him as a general manager and uh, Shad Khan apparently wants to keep him, he's getting the whole circus. And so I think for him, uh, he doesn't have it in him. But this would be one of those come to Jesus moments where he'd need to go to talk to management and say, look, you guys either got me for about the next year or we're going to have to talk about how you're not going to get me killed out here. It's ridiculous. It's nuts. Um. But I know why everyone's here. I know why I'm here. I know why I'm excited to talk to you. It's not a talk about NFL. It's not a talk about the NBA. It's not even talk about wrestling. It's a talk about the systemic destruction of Midwestern football 
in the continued exposure of the Big Ten as a Ponzi scheme. We're going to get to that game in a second. We're going to start with Cincinnati, Alabama. Cincinnati Bearcats, number four in the nation, according to the CFP, had a great, amazing season. They have an amazing defense. Offense, eh, but they've got some real deal corners that they played bump. We talked about this on Take Don't Lie. I'm plugging someone else's podcast because I was on it. Uh, Michael Felder, the most recent episode, we did a preview of the, these two past games. And I'm proud to say that a lot of these games unfolded the way we said they would. Uh, we talked about the different coverage things. But bottom line is, Alabama came out and decided, we're just going to hit you in the mouth a bunch, and we're going to see what you can do about it. And, Rich, they couldn't do a whole lot. Listen, my goal, again, going back to what you said with Trevor Lawrence, uh, I had a friend up for New Year's, and I told him the story of one of my favorite players at Cincinnati, uh, Sauce Gardner. And I said, Sauce? I don't care about like the quarterbacks and everybody else opting out. Depending on how this first half goes, has a very big decision to make. Do you keep playing knowing that the rest of your team is about to be out-athleted? Or do you say, I'm taking my record of never being scored on in college to, to the professional realm? And he, God bless him, he played, and he didn't get scored on. But this was one of the best examples of why we don't need more teams in the playoff. We have an arms race of talent. And when teams make it to the playoff, like Cincinnati did, they deserve to be put there. You don't need to add more teams to feel good about yourself because Hoosiers isn't going to happen in college football anymore. You're not going to have these young, plucky kids on gumption and hope make it to the finals. You have to go through machines. The Alabama coaching staff, in just in terms of the support people, dwarf the regular Cincinnati staff. Like you got five ex-NFL head coaches, three retired head coaches. And then some kids who want to start learning how to do this thing. I can tell you as a high school coach that has access to pretty good stuff, and I'm pretty proud of the way I can prepare and the way I've learned how to get ready for opponents. If you give me a month and then I have five other me's to help, there isn't anything I'm not going to know about you and how to attack. And it was clear that was the case. And it was as simple as let's just run by him. Yeah. Yeah. And let's make something very clear. This is not an indictment. Of a group of five teams, it's not an indictment of, nope. of, of teams that say of Cincinnati. This is a team that's a very good football team. They average five points you would carry this year against Bama, though, 2.8. It's just a different you're playing a different sport at a certain point. They're a very good football team, very talented football team, very well coached football team. But that thing on the other side, that ain't right, man. That when you look, so what gets me about the Georgia the, the, the Bama Cincy game is that they won in a way they haven't won all year. Something Felder and I talked about in Take Don't Lie was that one of the things about this Bama team is that they never – they had one or two games where they decided to make a concerted effort to run. But when they lost their winning rusher in week four, they obviously shifted to a more pass-heavy offense. You saw the culmination of that in the Georgia game. What they did on – I guess it was Friday night, Friday afternoon. By the way, mm-hmm. we stopped doing these on Christmas – on New Year's Eve. Have we learned nothing? You idiots. I think the point of these ratings is that the SEC is bad for college football. And I ask, are you here for college football to be entertaining or to be actual sport and competition, which is where I usually part ways with those people. Now, Brian Robinson Jr., 200 yards on the ground, 7.8 carry. That's not right. You shouldn't be able to get somebody. But they did it over and over and over and over again. To the tune of 301 yards on the ground for Bama. I don't care who you are or how good your coaches are. You're not going to win that way. I'll say this, though. They did hold Bryce Young to 181 through the air because, honestly, he didn't have to throw that much 
But when he did, he was harassed well. They didn't get to him at all, but I thought they got decent activity up front, decent pressure on that line. And they were able to say to cover in Manning is that talent. Loss of Michi is going to be a big problem for this team going forward. I don't know about big, but it is a problem. It does create some matchup changes that change a lot of things that I think they want to do against Cincinnati. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do against Georgia. Now, Rich, can I talk my shit? I mean, are, do you, I, I only hope that you had a chance to get a, a Michigan run the ball shirt while you do it. That's the only thing I wish for you. I'm so glad you brought this up because I wouldn't even start there. But let's start there. It's a great place to start. For those of you who do not know the Michigan offensive line, who are visually unimpressive, that's nope. fair. Visually unimpressive. I was told by AppleCare that this is the best O-line in the nation and that they were going to manhandle the defense of Georgia. I want to go ahead and read some stats here just so we can all know what was going on in this game. This is a Michigan team that went 12-1 and in the Big Ten. Hassan Hoskins rushed for 1,300 yards on the season. Kate McNamara threw for 2 5 7 6 Big numbers in an alleged big-time conference. I was told, Rich, that Aiden Hutchinson was the best defensive end in the nation, that he is the consensus number one overall pick. Rich, on take the line, I was very conciliatory. I was like, what, these good players on the defense, man. Uh, Obegu and, and, and Henderson, dog, I'll never lie on tape again. Because I haven't watched a lot of Hutchinson. But what I've watched, very unimpressive. I It was a very good vanishing act. If you want to see a magician, I've seen him vanish on a big stage so he can work the big rooms. No sacks. Not just for Hutchinson, for anyone on the defense. Anyone. Stetson Bennett, who I've been and will continue to be very critical of, threw two of the best passes I've ever seen him throw. That deep one to James Cook? Yeah. Look. And James Cook, man. Look, look. There's been a call from a lot of us to say, get Cook involved, man. Find a way to get Cook the ball. He needs to be serviced. The talent needs to be serviced. And what I loved about this was he was able to mix in his rushing yards and his receiving yards. He only got 15 touches. But it felt like so much more. I apologize. I was looking at the wrong stats. James Cook had 10 touches. How many yards did he have, though? 144. They spread the ball around. They were able to get people involved. I was – I talked myself into being nervous about this game. But all week, all I said was, will Georgia lose to less talented Georgia? To a less talented version of themselves? Offensively, the problems for Georgia are the tail of two halves. Mm-hmm. Half one, we've got attacking routes down the field. We're in play action, mixing things up early in count. Half two, run, run, pass. Rich. Now, I'm not one to look a big win over a national power in the face. But if you're doing some self-scouting as Georgia, you've got to know you've got to go score points in that second half. Yeah. It felt like that, that that Kirby went to the 
We scored enough. Now let's get the offense off the field to get the defense back out there more and more. Like that, it felt like with that in the second half to the point where I was very excited. First half, I was texting with Felder, like, look, three-step game. Bubble screens are slowing down the pass rush, taking the edge off the rushers. This is a great way to start a football game. By the time the second – and then you got Kirby Smart yelling at uh, uh, Stetson to not – why didn't he hurry up at the end of the half? We could have scored again. Something I never thought I'd see him say. And then I guess he ran out of cocaine because came out the third quarter not ready to score any points. Yeah, that's just – I mean – observer. You're, you're, you're unconnected. You're not a Michigan fan. I'm not a Georgia fan. What did you see watching that game? Am I crazy in thinking that maybe this, maybe we don't need to fly off? <laughs> I, 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 we, we never needed it. They need more money or they want more money. And so they're going to try to keep playing this uh, banjo as much as they can. Uh, but it, watching this, that is going to be tape that they talk about as Hutchinson goes first overall. And I don't think if you're the Detroit Lions or whomever gets that pick, you want a guy in a moment like that that can't even show. I don't want to do. I don't even want to do the the box score scouting. Like, show me something. It got to the second half where it was just like, nah, man, I don't want this smoke. And that aforementioned offensive line. I, I mean, I get it. The Bulldogs have a planet at nose tackle that can move like most people's tight end. He, he's kind of got like the Ultraman rules. So many snaps in him before he's got to return to his home planet. Great, <laughs> but uh, the 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 Bulldogs also have a Q that is basically a human missile. And if you don't know what a Q is, you you you, you probably could ask a friend and they'll know. As soon as I saw that man the first time tackle a dude and throw do a Q bar, I was like, oh, he's a super Q. It's not just a super cute. He graduated Georgia in three years as an engineer. Yeah, and that's the thing, because when people see him, they're going to make that, uh, oh, he came from a background. It's like, mm, mm, let's not, let's not do that ESPN story. The Kobe Dean chose Georgia over Georgia Tech because Georgia's engineering program has, has improved. Y'all, it's over. Y'all, if we're stealing yeah. the kids Tech actually wants, who if the Kobe Dean had been wasted at Georgia Tech, how many? We Could you imagine seeing him just in the outfit, though, Palm? Like, that would be a waste of him alone. Just sad. Oh, my God. They put, him, they put him at running back or some stupid shit like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the Kobe Deans, that's a freak of nature, dog. Like, that's a freak of nature. And before, let's, we're going to talk about the, we're gonna preview the title game, like, very lightly, just kind of just have the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's in football. Every year, they organize their schedule so that they're able to take advantage of high rankings. The teams that they rate highly have very light or lightly regarded early schedules. By lightly regarded, I mean actual end of season results. At the beginning of the season, these teams look great. Oh, wow, we've, we've lined up Oregon. Uh-oh. And then these teams all play each other. They feed on the weak ones. And they backload their, their 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 schedule for the big game so that they have more weight. Now, I'm not saying they should move their rivalry games sooner. I get that we're here to make some money. I understand the commerce aspect. But we've got to stop pretending that Iowa was ever the number two team in the country so that the Michigan win looks better, so that Michigan State win looks better. Michigan State's not very good at football. Michigan State 
hey, I was told they were a top five football team. I was told Iowa's number two. I was told the, the Iowa kids were like, well, you know, Kentucky hasn't been to a bowl game in very many years. First and foremost, Mark Stoops is what they are in Kentucky. Secondly, they've won three in a row. Thirdly, it's four in a row now. You loser bums who lost to Kentucky in a bowl game. I mean, Kentucky came what? to play. What's the excuse they're going to guess where? This is not. This is not. This is not me bemoaning Kentucky. I am a Kentucky believer. If you, it's a team built on defense and running the football, I couldn't be happier with Kentucky. But I've never told you that Kentucky's number two team in the country. Mm-hmm. I've never sent game day to Lexington. But there we were in Iowa, pretending this shit's normal and right. Oh, look, Purdue always seems to scare somebody. Maybe the teams they're playing aren't very fucking good at football. Maybe that's it. And I'm just thinking, oh, Deepom, you're being an asshole. Deepom, you're being a, a SEC apologist. I'm not apologizing for shit. There are levels to this. There are weight classes for a reason. Michigan, Cincy, too light to fight. These weren't scheme matchups. These weren't, oh, man, they just they got us in the end. These are ass kickings from stem to stern. And yeah, there's only did, four teams that are built to, to for that work. One of them uh, had Herb, Herb Street ugly crying about how kids are entitled nowadays. Oh, uh, to the to, As he watches the guy he was complaining has to play. Uh, prove he's a human nuke and is worthy of being, you know, I always like the line. Uh, it's a, it's not used as much as any of the other lines in the Avengers, but when Thor was standing on the helicarrier, the shield carry with all of them, and he's talking about the Tesseract and how the worst thing you can do as a human being, it kind of ties into what you're talking about. When you had the Tesseract, you're telling the rest of the galaxy, you're ready for a higher form of war. And when you went, when you say you're playoff ready, you're saying from a roster coaching, talent standpoint you're ready for a higher level of football than just we got them and you you just can't lift in in this case the hammer and it's okay well let's talk, it let's happens talk to the best this. of us this is, this is how college football has been largely broken they've taken this regional sport and nationalized it to where a bit michigan fan will legitimately tell you oh we lost we got blown out in the playoff they should say holy shit we won the big 10 for the first time in a decade Holy shit, we didn't embarrass ourselves against Ohio State. Look at that. But no, the taste in their mouth is going to be they're asking by Georgia. And that's fine, and I get it, and whatever. But is there really – have we done the sport any good? Have we done any of the sport any good by including this playoff? Or have we just said those arguments you had where we could monetize those arguments by having bowl games and have you argue later? We've now devalued that argument by creating a playoff. Because now you're not even watching the bowl game. The point where someone who's checked his face in the bowl games has to go on television. And so this is where I'm going to, I need your advice first. Do I give him grace and call him a liar? Or do I take him in his face value and call him an idiot? Got to call him an idiot. Okay. I'm an idiot. Fine. I didn't know. Yeah. I wanted to ask. He's an idiot. Because ESPN launches and runs most of these, including the playoffs. His check is dependent on them playing. And the fact that he can't even have that level of cognition of his own personal conflict of interest 
disqualifies him from ever stating it about any player. And me, myself, hey, whatever a player decides is what's best for that player. Kid wants to play, let him play. Kid don't want to play, shut the fuck up. Hey, kid wants to play, also, shut the fuck up. If you were on the internet chastising Matt Carell for getting hurt, shut the fuck up. If you have any opinion about any decision a child makes, well, I, I'm talking to myself now because occasionally I'll throw it a coverage where they shouldn't throw it a coverage. But in those yeah. instances, I too should shut the fuck up because <laughs> it's not about that. It's not about what we think of their decision making, except for that coverage thing. I don't, anyway. <laughs> it's about them making the best decision for themselves at the time. Are there games I probably shouldn't have played in that I know now at 36 I shouldn't have played in when I was 19? Of course there are. That's what learning and growing and evolving gets you. And no one was threatening to pay me to play football. Ever. Ever. Include well, you can't pay me in books, so I'm not counting scholarship on. Right. Yeah, don't count. I've never counted money to play football. Ever. If these kids are, and they make a decision to say, hey, I'm gonna invest in myself, that's the right decision for that kid. If they say, hey, my experience, my love, and my teammates matters more to me, or matters enough to me where I'm going to risk it because none of these kids will say it matters more but they'll say it's worth it and that's the difference they've done their own cost-benefit analysis they decided it was worth it I hope Matt Corral's okay I hope he has a wonderful prosperous NFL career now he gets paid a bunch of money I hope one of you out there one day says that Matt Corral kid sure is overpaid because that's who you know he'll fucking made yeah hey, listen I to all of those points I look at the pit game and it was exactly from stem to stern, what you were just talking about first, it's a glorified practice because you won the ACC for the first time ever. And this is the best season. I, you know, I got to be the chaperone for that team, uh, for, for the ACC, for the kids that came, the, the student fans. And we ran into a lady that was like 87 years old. And she was like, this is the greatest season I've ever seen outside of like, you know, the 70s. And that was it. Mission accomplished. You get a quarterback who some NFL coach is going to say, I can get him in the first round and mold him, who's smart enough to say, I'm good, love. Thanks for the fish. I'm out. You get a backup who proves him right by breaking his collarbone on a run for the touchdown. And then you lose because your third stringer, who never was going to play because they just got a USC transfer. So he never in his life was ever supposed to play. And he gets as close as he can. And then against cover four, he throws to a linebacker that's buzzing under the flap. And great. It's all right. You, you, you don't need to beat yourself up about it. You know, they, you know, you have the odd ducks that are saying, well, yeah, you know, if we hadn't lost the, this, that and the other, we could have been in the playoff. Like, we don't want that. We, we're not ready for that level. I don't want to see Pitt get embarrassed losing to Michigan. If somebody goes on Twitter and says, oh, look at Pitt pitting. It's like, well, they, they won their conference and they lost the bowl game. I'm good with that. You right. don't need to kind of get beyond your britches as much, or get over your skis, as I'm sure some people would say. <laughs> the, the coaching you were showing. I loved that Gundy after they won that game was like, this is the biggest win in, in this school's history. He made sure the impact was felt. He's like, no, we won, like, we won this game. We won a, a New Year's Day Bowl against a top five team and a, a Notre Dame team that's very strong and good that I can't say anything bad about until they really handle buddy. So black coach's agenda stays in place. 
Are you, as a non-SEC guy, excited for – oh, I guess you're not fair. You're a football guy. You're excited about football. But yeah. do you see the argument where the nation isn't excited for this game? Or my my argument has always been this is a nation that celebrates greatness. The ratings for the last Bulls uh, three-peat were higher than the first three-peat. Like, we, we celebrate greatness here. We say we want underdog stories. We do not. We loved them in the first round of March Madness. If it was four, ten seeds, no one would watch the Final Four. So I yeah, think we're it, a lot of liars about that kind of shit. But do you think it, there's a national appeal to this game on next Monday? Yes, I, I see it as two things. One, uh, I joke that Nick Saban is essentially, you know, the Black Knight. He's just waiting for somebody to strike him down. He's sick of this crap. Like how much pain he's in. He's just like, all right, we're gonna, all right, we're gonna win. We're gonna win this. All right, we're gonna. Every kid who I recruit. By the time they graduate, it's going to at least be in one national channel. All right, whatever. Let's. Just, he's so miserable. And Kirby is just like these teams are built to be monsters. Let them be monsters. I think from a, a rating standpoint, there's there's a, you, you mentioned it and I, I want to underline it. There's a bit of a bias. And as a northerner, I can kind of point it out and just kind of call a spade a spade because uh, this had been a regional sport that we have now turned national with television contracts. There, the, the backlash of it is when it doesn't suit the northern uh uh delicacies it mm. becomes uh well why do we need to watch this and that's couldn't be further from the truth georgia has the the pedigree and the ability to do what very few teams have done like i said finally get the black knight to just take it and they are so actually you know what i am going to say it it is so clear that the reason what you're talking about is happening is mainly because the fraud in chief that uh, Panamines, a coach slash uh, televangelist, isn't in the national championship for people to bemoan the, the fact that his kids do it the right way. It's sickening. Hmm. And when you look at Kirby Smart, he isn't, you know, he's a college coach. He's going to have his, you know, foibles, but I don't ever see him as uh, dripping with just absolute condescension to the idea that players can make themselves better or, you know, answering questions in the way that Dabo Sweeney will that will get that right, quote unquote, uh, as as our mutual friend, uh, Nada would say, uh, the F-150 crowd to go hooting and hollering over, hmm. you know, it's not a race problem, it's a sin problem. And by gum, we're just going to play. We're just we're just football play. We don't need to talk about these future things. Oh, president invited us? We're going to get five Big Macs. We're going to smile and laugh and everything's awesome. It, it's, it's that that's missing. And that's why people are kind of pushing. And if they're not going to lie to themselves, they probably didn't care before this anyway. It's just like that person that says, oh, I don't, I only read. It's like no one asked if you watched the show. Well, let's do this right now before we get out of here. Give me your two early prediction on this Georgia-Bama Georgia, Georgia Bama thing. Do you really think this is the year that, that Curry picks up the blade and spells the night? Or is it another uh, false pretender to the throne? Because... I, I need to hear someone else. I need to hear someone else's opinion as I'm forming my own. Georgia 36, Bama 26. I, th I think I think it's going to be off the back of your defense. I think they're going to get a turnover late, and I think that it's going to make it that it looks further away than it was most of the game. I think Stetson isn't going to throw up on himself, and he's actually going to use Cook. The one question I had for you, because I didn't get to see him that much, was is Pickens going to play? And will they have a nuclear package for him? Because I think if he can and they can use him, he's like the A-team. 
I like your positivity. I hope you're right. I do know that we've given Nick Saban eight days to prepare for a team he just beat. And I think you're going to get a better line game out of Georgia. I mean, get a much worse line game out of Georgia, honestly. That'll help loosen up Stetson some. His running ability really mm-hmm. is a big change. The first, the big wrinkle for the first game was obviously Michi. They changed some of the coverage stuff. I'm not going to get into why or what because I think it was a bad decision. But without Michi, it becomes easier to cover just, just schematically, and you're not getting 204 on the ground against this defense. So you're really saying, can you stymie this pass rush again? Can you work these coverages again? And this time they know that you're willing to run Bryce Young. Because before that, before the title game, all season, they've been very, very want to run it. They ran him in the playoff game because they couldn't get much downfield because of the decent coverage. There isn't as good much talent on the back end of Georgia as there is at Cincinnati, which is weird to say. There's enough talent in the front seven to where that back end talent looks so much better. So I think that if we get if, if we get the game that we should hopefully get, maybe you're right. I'm not willing to – I put it this way. Do I think Lake Lanier is haunted? No. Am I saying that because the lake might hear me? Yes. So that's how I feel about your prediction. I hope you're right. I think you might be, but I'm also terrified. Richman, thank you so much for coming on. Tell everyone where they can find our conversation about Tony Khan um, and some of the diversity issues plaguing both AEW and professional wrestling today and honestly historically yeah absolutely you can find me on twitter at rich underscore fan f-a-n-n uh what well, our conversation in uh, just an hour and change is going to be at the uh, pw torch if you look in our vip section go vip for about less than 10 bucks a month you can get over 30 years of wrestling coverage uh i do a show there in vip uh two shows in fact the deep dive uh is on the free side of things but if you want to pay you get to hear me do everything with rich fan with wade keller and then also the east coast cast vip which is typically hosted by uh, travis bryant and then on the free side with cam hawkins who you will hear with myself d palm and i cavalcade of others later uh palm this has been a pleasure and i look forward to chatting with you man again appreciate you coming on pretty talking about this with me go dogs um, that was your show for this week. We're going to try to get another one up this week. Into the new year. we got a lot of things coming on the NTR Network. Make sure you guys stick around for what is coming next. That was your show. This is your outro. See you guys next week.